Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. In our session today, I want to address and teach on the freedom of choice that our Heavenly Father has given to all humanity. And of course, the blessing that flows out of godly choices, as well as the devastation and the painful consequences that so often flow out of the wrong and ungodly choices. God speaking to his people through the mouth of Moses, and I'm sure you're familiar with this portion of scripture in the book of Deuteronomy, he challenged the people of God to choose wisely by choosing the Lord, the Lord himself, and to serve and to love him with all of the hearts. For Moses said to the people, for in the Lord there is life and blessing. These are the words he used to address the nation of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I'm reading uh, verse 19 and verse 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. These are the words that Moses challenged the people of Israel the nation of God whom he has delivered out of the land of Egypt and gave them the choice because God said to them, I have set before you life and death, but I'm not going to choose for you. The freedom to choose is yours. Therefore, I encourage you to choose life and blessing, not just for you, but for your children and your grandchildren and the generations that will come after you. And years later, in addressing the nation of of Israel once again, Joshua challenged his generation with very similar words. Listen to what he said to them in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served, on the other side of the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What profound words came out of the mouth of Joshua. 
that he publicly and unashamedly declared before the entire nation that his choice and his decision was to serve the Lord, not just by himself. He said, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And 46 years ago, next week on the 5th of August, I chose, I made a decision, and I chose the Lord Jesus and made the same declaration. And ever since, I have known blessing after blessing and favor after favor from the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, this is not a decision that you make once and for all. Every day, we are confronted with choices, with decisions. Some decisions are small and insignificant as to what you're going to have for breakfast, and other decisions as you leave the house, whether you're going to be faithful and loyal to your spouse or you're going to be unfaithful and disloyal. Decisions are always confronting us. Elijah, for example, challenged a backslidden nation on the Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 17, I think, calling them to choose whom they are going to serve. The only and true God, he said, who brought you out of Egypt and the yoke of slavery or Baal and the false gods of your generation. And before their very eyes, Elijah proved to them that the God of Israel was the only true God by calling fire out of heaven. And the people feared the Lord, the Bible says, but it didn't last long. And you will see that throughout the Bible, God, our Heavenly Father, and the Creator of all mankind has made it abundantly clear that He has endowed humanity with the freedom of choice. And the destiny of every person, regardless of who you are, where you come from, whether you're rich or poor, your destiny is within your own hands. And this is the reason God cannot be blamed for where we find ourselves many times and what we are experiencing so often, either favor and blessing or devastation and pain and sorrow and shame. Scripture is very clear. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Our decisions and choices in life brought us to the place, I believe, where we are today, which is either a place of blessing and favor, living under an open heaven, or a place where we experience heartache, pain, corruption. And this is true also when it comes to the world we live in. Look around you. The Bible is very, very clear when it comes to the state that our world is in. 
Notice what the scripture says in Psalm 115, verse 16. Underline this scripture because it will serve you sooner or later when you're dealing with unbelievers and with worldly people who so often accuse God and blame God for things that he is not responsible for. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The earth he has given to the children of men. What does that mean? That means that the earth belongs to the human race, and the human race is responsible for what happens here and what goes on here. The things that are going on today on this earth and the results and the consequences uh, that we are facing is a result of the wrong choices mankind has made and continues to make. Russia decides to invade another nation, sovereign nation, just because he has the ability and the power and the influence. Look at the devastation, the destruction, the death, the pain, the heartache, the tears that came as a result of that one decision of one very powerful man and very influential man. When you hear people say things like, why does God allow such suffering and destruction in the world? It is obvious. People who ask such questions, they have no idea of what they are talking about. God is not responsible. Man is responsible. We open the floodgates of the enemy when we make ungodly, selfish choices. And God will not choose for us. He refuses to do so. Uh, sometimes we hear people say, well, this is the person that God has chosen for me to marry. No, 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 no. God didn't choose, choose that person. You chose that person. You see, we say things like that so that if things don't go well, we can blame God. Now, he, it's like Adam. It's the wife you gave me. We make the choice. God presents us with opportunities, but we make the choice. We make the decision. He refuses to choose for us. He has placed that choice in our own hands, and he encourages us through the wisdom and the word he has given us to choose wisely by choosing him and his word and his will and his purpose and his plans. Because in him, he says, there is life and there is blessing. Joshua, of course, made the right choice when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he declared that publicly before the nation. Let me ask you a question. Who in his right mind would choose death and the curse? Obviously, the people who choose death are out of their minds. They are not thinking straight. They are confused. They are lost. They are in darkness. That is exactly what Paul says to the Corinthians. In writing to them, he says, The God of this world 
has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. It was the God of this world, Satan himself, who blinded Eve to what God said and managed to deceive her to choose death instead of life. To choose to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God said, do not eat of this tree. You have all these other trees, freely eat, but from this tree, do not eat of it, because the day you eat, you will die. But the flatterer, the deceiver, managed to deceive her. The Bible says that Adam was not deceived, but rather chose to disobey God, and in his outright rebellion threw the entire human race into chaos, which resulted, of course, in death and destruction. And he took the second Adam, Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, to undo what Adam did. And through Jesus' obedience and through his dying on the cross, he rescued humanity by, of course, opening the gates of life and blessing. Now we have been given a choice. The floodgates of heaven have been opened. The gate of life and the gate of blessing is wide open. And the sons and daughters of Adam have been given the freedom to choose. A choice which we did not have before the sacrifice of Christ. And this is the very reason, my brother, my sister, humanity will be judged according to the choices they make either to reject life and blessing by rejecting Christ or to receive Christ as Lord and Savior and receive eternal life. The bottom line here is what we do with Christ Jesus that determines our destiny. And the scripture says there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, or nor there is, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Paul writing to Timothy says the same thing, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Every human being on the face of the earth has been given the freedom to choose and become responsible for the choices they make. When I made the choice to receive Jesus, 46 years have come and gone next week. How I praise God for that decision I made on the 5th of August, on a Thursday evening in 1976. When I made that choice, that decision to receive Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior, the trajectory of my life changed completely. In one night, my destiny changed from a life of sin and shame to a life of victory and blessing. Of course, other decisions, godly decisions, followed that initial decision, but that's where it all began. And you know what? 
I couldn't do a single thing to change my life or the circumstances I found myself in. I couldn't forgive my sins, but he did. And the mercy of God did it. I couldn't change my nature, neither could you. But God did by the power of his Holy Spirit in one single moment. My nature was changed and I was born again. When we choose wisely, folks, we release power, we release life, when we release the grace of God into our situation. And then his ability and his grace and his power brings about divine order and restoration in our lives. When we choose life, life is released. When we choose death, death is released. And when death is released, there is absolutely nothing we can do to stop its devastation that it brings into our very own lives and into the lives of others. You can't stop it. We can choose the decisions we make, but we cannot choose the consequences that follow after that. If Adam and Eve believed the warning God gave them, they would not have chosen to disobey God. But the tragedy was that they did not believe. Paul says unbelief blinds the minds. And when the mind is blinded, it makes the wrong choices. That's why you should never make important decisions when you are emotionally up and down, when you're angry. Stop. Don't make any decisions because 99% of the decisions you make when you are in that state, they will be wrong. The good news, though, is that faith and belief in God's word brings light and light enables us to make the right choices. The word of God says in Psalm 119, 130, this is also uh, such a powerful verse of scripture. The entrance of your words, Lord, gives light. And how we need light and truth and knowledge. It gives understanding to the simple. So if we want to make the right choices in life, we need the entrance of God's word both in our minds and in our heart. The more light we receive from the word of God, the better and the wiser the decisions we make. Every single day, you and I wake up from our bed, we are confronted with choices. Some small, as I said, others insignificant, while others can impact uh, uh, the course of our life and our destiny. We are confronted, for example, with a choice to serve God this day or to disobey him. We are confronted with the choice to forgive and let go of the wrongs done to us yesterday, today, tomorrow, or we can choose to hold on to them. We can choose to love people unconditionally. Remember, love is a choice. Faith is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a decision, a quality decision from where there is no return. We can choose to love 
people unconditionally. Whether they're good or bad, whether they're kind to us or not, we can choose and say to the Lord and declare it. Lord, I choose life today. I choose to love. I choose to serve you. I choose to believe you. I choose to have faith and trust and not worry and not be anxious. I choose to be well today in my mind and in my body. Your words carry tremendous power and dominion. Make the choices, the right choices. Choose the blessing. Choose the favor of God. So we can choose to love them unconditionally or we can choose to become critical and judgmental. The choice is ours. We can choose to be faithful, loyal to our spouse or we can choose to be unfaithful, unkind and disloyal. The choice is in our hands. We can choose to remain married despite the difficulties, the challenges, the problems we may face. I face those challenges. I know what I'm talking about. Or we can choose to go our separate ways. And when you make the decision, you will cause heartache and pain to generations after you. We can choose to praise God in the midst of the storm, or we can choose to grumble and complain about our lot. We are free, folks, free to choose. Thank God for the freedom of choice. Some people wish that God didn't give us the choice. But you know, God didn't want robots. He wanted people who choose to love him, who choose to serve him with their heart and with their mind. Yes, we are free to choose. But as I said, we cannot choose the consequences of those choices we make. And God, listen, God is not asking you whether you have the power or the ability to carry out those difficult and hard choices, but rather to choose and decide wisely, to make your stand, to declare your decision for God and for his kingdom. And just like I couldn't do a thing to change my nature that day, I couldn't do anything. No one could help me. But when I decided and chose life instead of death, God stepped in onto the scene and changed my nature in an instant. I have found a scripture many years ago that has been a tremendous blessing to me. It is found in Job 22 and verse 28. And I'm reading this from the English Standard Version. This is what it says. You will decide on a matter and it will be established for you, and light will shine on your ways. You will decide or choose on a matter, and it will be established for you. You see, we decide, we choose, and God is the one who establishes, not the wrong choices, but those wise and godly decisions we make for ourselves and our family. But when we make the ungodly choices, then the power of the destroyer steps in and brings about the destruction that Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It is God who furnishes the strength and the supernatural ability to carry out those difficult decisions which, humanly speaking, are impossible. 
And I'll prove it to you. Philippians 2 verse 13 says, listen to what Philippians 2 13 says. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Who works in us? Who brings it to pass? God himself is at work within us when we make the wise and the right choices in life. God himself is at work within us by the power of the Spirit. Amen. Are you still there? Wise and God-honoring choices are given the release or the freedom to the Holy Spirit to step in to the situation and assist and help us in carrying out those difficult and hard decisions. Jesus called the Holy Spirit, remember, the helper, whom the Father, he said, will send in his name. You remember that? It's recorded in John 14, verse 26, Jesus speaking, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I say to you. The Helper will not only teach us all things, but he will also guide us into all the truth, bring to our remembrance the things that Jesus taught, and then help us by empowering us to carry out those godly choices we made, the decisions that honor God. He will not choose for us. The Holy Spirit was not sent to make our own choices or to choose for us. Nor will he do the work for us. But he will help us carry out and follow through with our decisions. And one of the passages of scripture that has blessed me also tremendously through the years is found in the book of Isaiah in chapter 41 verse 10 and verse 13. I cannot tell you how many times the Lord encouraged me in my prayer, in my times of, of disorientation, of confusion, in my times of pressure and persecution and, and, and the onslaught of the enemy, how many times the Lord has given me these precious, precious verses. That's why I treasure, folks, I love the Word of God. God's word is life and strength and comfort and encouragement. Whatever you need at that moment, God's word will produce it and provide it. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will this is Almighty God speaking to you and to me. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And again, the same chapter, verse 13. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. Did you hear that? The creator of heaven and earth and the entire universe has given you a promise that he will help you to walk the road, to walk the narrow path, 
the less popular path. He helps us to do that. God himself becomes our helper and our enabler only when we make the right choices. God is not going to help you to do evil. The Holy Spirit is not going to help you to lie, to steal, to be unfaithful, to covet. No, he will help you to carry out the decisions that honor God, the choices that give him honor and glory, and come into the blessing. And let me repeat the words from the book of Deuteronomy. Therefore, God says, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so the same invitation is given to us today and every other day. We choose. We choose to obey God. We choose to serve Him. That day I said, Lord, I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will honor you. I will walk in your ways. You show me your will and I will obey. I am willing and because I was willing, God has helped me step by step, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, in summer and in winter, choosing life and blessing for me and my children. And let's face it, it takes a spiritually strong person to make those hard and difficult decisions and choices in life and making the difficult choices will require more than just mental or emotional strength i found that out it will require spiritual fortitude in our inner man to stand against our flesh when it screams in the day of temptation and is pulling, and is pushing, and is crying out to satisfy that flesh. It will take a spiritually strong person who stays in prayer, who stays in the Word of God day after day, who meditates in the Word, and receives the grace that is given to him through his communion with the Lord and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And it will require spiritual fortitude not to cave in and not to compromise your values and your principles in a world in which there are no absolutes today. Everything and anything goes and everything is allowed. Whatever it pleases you, just do it. If it feels good, just do it. It's going to take more, more than just mental strength or emotional strength it's going to take spiritual fortitude to say no in the place where you work where there is ungodly people where they swear day and night where they dishonor god and they they blaspheme his name it takes a strong person to stand up and declare i choose god i choose life i choose to serve the lord and let the people know whom you serve and whether they will like you or not, whether they will reject you or love you, but they know where you stand. And that's the kind of believers that the world needs today, that they are not afraid to stand in the midst of darkness and declare that Jesus is my Lord and I will serve him and I will obey him. I will not steal. I will not cheat. I will do what is right 
and I will honor my God, and I will honor my wife, and I will love my family. And scripture says that in the last days, darkness will cover the earth, and look around you. Darkness is all around us. Deep darkness, he said, the people of the earth. But upon the church, upon the believer who chooses to serve God, to serve the Lord, and makes those difficult and godly choices. The Bible says the glory of God will arise upon that person, and the brilliance of God's countenance will overshadow him, resulting in attracting many into God's kingdom. And when they are in trouble, they know where to go, and they know whom to call. One absolutely necessary ingredient. Now listen carefully. This is the key. In empowering us to make God-honoring choices is the fear of the Lord. The one single ingredient cannot be absent from our lives if we want to make godly choices. And yet, as you look around today in the Western church, the one ingredient which is missing from the modern-day church is the fear of the Lord. Anything goes. You sleep around, then on Sunday you sing in the choir. Or the pastor preaches behind the pulpit, but in secret he sleeps around. Everything goes. There's no fear of God. And that needs to be restored and returned to the church of the Lord if we're going to make those hard and difficult decisions that honor the Lord. Listen to what Proverbs 14, 27 says. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. It doesn't say the love of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord. You know, I read in uh, one of John Bevere's books, made an impression on me. In the 1980s, a very popular evangelist had a television ministry, huge ministry, and uh, fell into sin. I think he embezzled some money, went probably into adultery as well, and, and he was convicted and he was sent to jail. And John Bevere visited him in jail. And when they had discussions around this, this person in jail said something very profound to John Bevere. He said to him, John, I've always loved the Lord. All my life I've loved the Lord throughout my ministry. But what I didn't have was the fear of the Lord. What I lacked, he said, was the fear of the Lord. That's why I felt the way I felt. Well, thank God he repented, he acknowledged, and now he's serving the Lord out of jail. You know, we may love God, but do we really fear him? I'm not talking about worldly fear that brings torment. Godly fear has nothing in common with worldly fear. Godly fear is pure, is clean, it is a deep reverence and respect for the Lord God. You walk humbly before Him, reverently. You honor Him. You respect Him. You tremble at His word. 
You see, we may love God, but do we really fear him to the extent where we obey him all the time? Yeah, maybe partially, but not fully. And Proverbs, as I mentioned to you, do your own study when it comes to the fear of the Lord. The book of Proverbs have many, many, many scriptures concerning the benefits, the blessings that flow out of the fear of the Lord. For example, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27, prolongs days, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. And this is my prayer. May the Lord unite our hearts, family, to fear his name all the days of our lives so that we make those hard and difficult and God-honoring choices from day to day in a world that is flooded with darkness and ignorance. And most importantly, in closing, the fear of the Lord fosters intimacy with God. The fear of the Lord fosters intimacy with God and intimacy releases the secrets of his heart. God will share his secrets with those who fear him. It does not say that the secrets of the Lord is with those who love him, but with those who fear him. And God will reveal things to you as you walk in the fear of the Lord that he would not reveal to anyone else because he trusts you. Those who fear the Lord are called his friends. Psalm 25 verse 14 the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You see that? We may be children of God, but are we really friends of God? You know, there's a popular song that we sing in church today. I never liked that song anyway. It says, I'm a friend of God. You heard that song? I'm a friend of God. I'm a friend of God. And we sing it so, so loosely sometimes. Are we really friends of the Lord? You may say that Jesus called his disciples. I do not call you servants, but I call you friends. And my question is, to whom did he say those words? He said them to those who closely followed him for three and a half years, forsaking all in order to follow him. He said to them who shared intimacy with him, and not to everyone who followed him from a distance, having one foot in the world and one foot in the grave, in, 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 in the kingdom. More than anything else, my heart's desire is to be called a friend of God. To share intimacy with him and to, for him to reveal the secrets of his heart. 
Folks, let us aim for that. Let us pursue the Lord and the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. And let us make those wise and godly choices from day to day, from the moment you wake up in the morning until the time you lay your head on your pillow and you can sleep with the knowledge that you have obeyed God today, that you made the right decisions, that you did not cave in, that you did not compromise your values and your principles, even when you were surrounded by so much ungodliness. Father, we thank you for your precious word today. We thank you for your blessings, for your long-suffering toward us. We thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the times we have caved in and gave in to the desires of our own selves and our own flesh. Help us and strengthen us in our inner man that we may rise and, as your word declares, shine. For the glory of the Lord has come. It's here. These are the days of Elijah, your word declares, declaring the word of the Lord, standing upright, standing tall, standing strong in the midst of opposition and persecution, not being afraid of the face of man, not fearing man, but fearing the Lord and honoring him in all of our decisions and in all of our choices. We thank you. As we bow before you today, I pray that as we close this month and enter into the next month, that you will bless my family, Lord, that you will pour upon them your spirit of wisdom, your spirit of revelation and knowledge and understanding, filling them with the knowledge of your will, so they may walk worthy of the call you placed upon their lives, Lord, fully pleasing you in every single decision and being fruitful, Father, in every good work. Bless their children. Bless their grandchildren. Bless the work of their hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.